Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. And so first things first follows this idea from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, that says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Now I have, I have some dreams and I have some, I have some vision for my life. And a lot of it comes from this verse that I wanna see my life, my world get larger and larger for myself, for my marriage, for my family, for my walk with Jesus. I wanna see just what's possible. Those big dreams, that big excitement of what God can do in and through my life, but also having a large experience of life, a full experience of life. Well, how does God say that you get that? By living generous, by blessing those around you. Here's your first thing to write down. One of the ways we are most like Jesus is when we choose to live generously. It is a choice. It just doesn't happen, right? Like nobody, I have, two, I have two sons now, you guys know that, and I never had to teach them the word mine or like, you know, grab and hold of something tight. Like I had to teach them how to share, right? I had to teach them how to, well, my one son is two months old, so he's not learning really anything, but Shepard, my four and a half year old, got to teach him to share and teach him to live generously, even at a young age. This just happened, I shared this a little bit, but I'll unpack it more today. This just happened uh, at Halloween for us when we went trick-or-treating in uh, in our friend's neighborhood. Now, we usually go to our friend's neighborhood who just has hundreds of kids in this neighborhood. They always got really great candy, too, so that's nice. Um, But Shepard was really excited. I told you about his Apple costume that he was really pumped about, really tried last minute to sneak in like a superhero or like some kind of character like that, but he was dead set on being an Apple. And so he's running around the neighborhood, getting candy, way more brave than he was last year, going up to the tables, trick or treat, people throwing candy in, which was awesome. But after a little while, he got tired. You know, he's only four and a half. His little legs get tired quick, and we live in Florida, and it's hot, especially when you're wearing an Apple costume. Uh, But he came back to my friend's house, and in the driveway, they had their table where they were distributing, handing out candy. And one of the little boys that was there uh, uh, asked Shepard, hey, do you want to help us hand out candy? And Shepard was like, oh, sure. That's what he does. If you ever talk to Shepard, he goes, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Uh, And so he wanted to do that. And so he started handing out the candy to kids. And I'm telling you, you would have thought this was like Disney World for my son. He was grabbing candy. He w- eventually, he wasn't even letting kids come up to the table. He was running out into the street and saying like, trick or treat, here you go, here you go, and just giving candy away, going all sorts of crazy because he loved doing that. And in my mind, I'm like, man, I love, I don't know if it's our good parenting or maybe it's just the blessing from the Lord that my son loves to give and be generous and bless someone else. I think our little kids, which is why we have kids' church every Sunday, can teach us some things about the generosity of God and the blessings that we have in this life and the way they see the world. And I believe if you're wanting to be more like Jesus in your life, then just choose to live generously. And what I want to do is if I just want to ask your permission, I'm going to speak about an important topic that maybe has been used and abused in church, but that doesn't mean we throw it out. And uh, it comes from the verse Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11, that says this, bring all the tithes, if you'll circle that word for me, into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. 
And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. What we're going to talk about today is the principle and honestly command of what is known as the tithe, which literally just means 10%. Understanding that financially and in our generosity, we trust God with the first 10%. That's his. And I want to show you today that that is one of the most freeing foundational things you can do in your life. And let me just challenge you, today is not a money talk, it is a spiritual talk. Because if anything distracts us from the freedom and full health of life that God has created us for, it's a spiritual thing. And the enemy, the enemy would love nothing more than to trap you into this, into just looking this at this from an earthly perspective. Because here's my goal for you today, is to realize that generosity and gratitude unlock the fullness of life God has for us. Jesus promised us that he came to give us life and life to the full. And we live generously because Jesus was first generous to us. Let me just prove it to you before we pray and jump into this. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In the book of Mark, Jesus says that I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many people. There is beauty in generosity, and I believe that we can unlock that today through the tithe and through simply living open-handed and no longer like this. Would you join me in prayer today and believe with me today that God's going to do something special with us this morning? Father, we just give you this time. Again, we know it is a very poignant but specific topic that sometimes is uncomfortable, but God, that means there's growth there because we don't grow if we're never uncomfortable. We don't grow if we never have difficult conversations about how we take that next step in our faith journey. So Father, I pray that there would be no pressure in this room, but we would see the purpose behind the generosity you've shown us and how we can live generous too. God, I pray for all of our incredible teachers and leaders and local city kids today. Pray that you would help us create such a fun and experiencing moment of church for our next generation. And you would love on them and show them that Jesus is their very best friend. God, we love you today. We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name one more, one more time we all say, come on, give me a good amen. Let's get ready for today. And if you'll do me one more favor, give a good shout and clap and welcome everybody watching for Local City Church Online. So glad that you're with us, with us today. Be live in the comments section. Let us know how you're doing. Every week I meet someone who comes in and says, hey, I've been watching online and I felt like I needed to come in person. Well, if you've been watching online, come in person, especially for our Blockbuster Sundays next week. This is going to be great. But again, generosity and gratitude, right? Unlock the fullness of life God has for us. So why is this whole concept of the tithe important? Why is the first 10 important? Well, here's why. Another thing to write down is that we give God our first and our best, then trust him to bless the rest. We give God our first and our best, then trust him to bless the rest. Here's where I'm going today is for us to understand that not only just financially, but honestly just in life, that we can try and control things 100% of the way. We can try and hold on to things and do things our way 100% of the way, and honestly, have more. Or we can realize that we are not in control and that our life will be far more larger and larger and far more blessed and refreshed 
when we trust God with 10% of it and we live off the 90. We can do way more with a blessed 90% than a bound 100%. What I mean by bound is something that we hold on to and, and refuse to live open-handedly. Now again, I'm teaching my son Shepherd this at a very young age. My mom is one of the most generous grandmas you'll ever meet. She's the nana of our house and she's awesome. And she gave Shepard $10. I mean, my mom's always looking for ways to get, give away money, right? Like, if, there, if, there's a, if there's a holiday, I mean, I'm getting a card with, like, $10 in it. Like, Arbor Day, Tree Day. I'm getting, oh, it's great. It's awesome. But she gave Shepard $10 bucks for, for a little, and a little trick-or-treat card that she gave him. And I said, hey, we were looking for something to do yesterday. And I said, hey, Shepard, you want to take the $10 that Nana gave you to Target? And, of course, yes! Okay, cool. He was excited about it. But then I told him, like, hey, I know... We're excited about some money that someone gave us, but you know what we should do is we should set aside $1, and I'll bring it to church tomorrow, and I'll give that $1 to Jesus because that's what Jesus has called us to do. And he was like, I can, I can give a dollar to Jesus? Yes, of course. He's going to use it to do incredible things. And he said, again, oh, yeah, sure, sure. You can take it, so I have his dollar that I'm going to put in the offering box today. Why am I teaching him that? Because I want him to understand at a young age, God's blessed him so much. And the one thing that he can do at a young age is to choose to live generously. And man, that will overflow into his life. Because here's the thing, when we say that we follow Jesus and we have a life of faith, we can't live that privately. There has to be an overflow into the lives of others. This is kind of the example that I use every single year. I got some things over here I'll show you later. But a lot of times we look at life like this. Now this is a Dunkin' Donuts cup. Because uh, Starbucks wouldn't give me the other object that I'm going to use today. Because uh, it was an inventory issue, they said. Okay, that's fine. I'll go get one from Dunkin'. But anyway, I know that when we go to get our coffee, we have our specific order, right? Like, if you've ever gone to Starbucks or, dare I say, worked at a Starbucks, you know those people who come in and their cup is, like, just filled with the custom order, right? Like, I try and be nice. I walk in, you know, black coffee, no cream, no sugar, just nice and easy, right? But I know there's some people that, you know, they just fill up the whole thing with, like, a script Oat milk, this many pumps of caramel, not too, not too hot, not too cold, all this different stuff. And that's kind of the way we begin to live our life. It's like, you know, special orders don't upset us at BK. You can have it your way. A little Burger King advertisement for you, right? Like, that's what we have it your way, right? That's like, that, that's their theme. And then we list our whole order on our coffee cup, and if they get it wrong, ugh, can you remake it, please? I'm not trying to be mean to anyone. I'm just saying, you know, we, do, we, we live that way sometimes. And I believe that that might be okay for our coffee, but it's not okay for our life. Because if that begins to overflow into our life and it's like, well, I got to have it my way, they got to follow what I've ordered, then just like Pastor Joe prayed earlier, it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. And I believe as you grow and follow Jesus, there is an evolution that has to take place. There is a jump in your generosity that has to take place. And it's realizing I'm moving from how much I can drink my own coffee, how many sips I want, and my custom order, to realizing, you know what, I am just going to be someone who desires to pour out my life into the lives of others. No custom order. Just whatever I have in here, what God's given me, I want to pour that out to someone who has an empty cup. I want to pour that out to someone else who is in need. And guess what? It's way more exciting to be this. Shepard loved his trick-or-treat candy in his bag, but he got super pumped when he was able to throw it out and give it to someone else. And I want to free you today. I want to provide you some freedom today. I want you to provide you some fulfillment today in how God's called us to be this, to be a, a pour-out blessing type of life, 
to be a reservoir for those who are in need, for people to see that there is overflow of generosity, of like, that, pe- that person is just generous. They're always asking if, I can, if they can pray for me. They're always offering to pay for certain things. I mean, generosity just unlocks a willingness to hear more about what we're about. Jesus lived a generous life. He raised people from the dead. He provided food for people. He healed people that were blind and sick. Why? Because he wanted that generosity to unlock the potential of the miracle of life transformation and change that could happen when he would tell them about the love of God. And we see this in one of my favorite characters that's mentioned in all the Gospels. I'm going to unpack the story real quick because i got a couple things that I want to happen to today during the message. But really quick, I want to tell you about a guy named Joseph of Arimathea that we hear about in John chapter 19. says this, afterwards, this is the afterwards, Jesus has just died. If you didn't know this, Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, gave his life for you and for me on the cross. We're going to talk about that in Easter like we always do. After, but after Jesus was di- had died and is still hanging on the cross, here's what happens. Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, and he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. There's a ton of this story, but I'm going to take like five minutes and unpack it for you, all right? So Joseph of Arimathea was on the great council of the Sanhedrin. What is the Sanhedrin? Essentially a council of the religious leaders at that time. The council that was responsible for throwing Jesus in prison and bringing him before Pilate so that he would eventually be killed on a cross. But Joseph secretly, as it says, was a disciple, meaning that he began to trust in and believe the powerful truths that Jesus was teaching, that things were beginning to unlock in him about this might be the guy that we've been waiting for. This might be the Messiah that had been prophesied about in our Old Testament. This might be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And began to give his, give his life over to Jesus secretly and privately. Now, there were moments where he voiced his opinion of, you know, we shouldn't kill this guy. We shouldn't throw him in prison. We shouldn't bring him before the Roman authorities. But obviously, he was overturned because at that time, the religious leaders were so threatened by Jesus that they just wanted to kill him and get him out of there. But when Joseph of Arimathea visualized and in person saw the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, everything changed like that. Look what, it just, look what happens in one sentence. It says, he, what, he had been a secret disciple of Jesus, but now that he had seen Jesus' arms stretched wide, nailed to a cross, everything changed. And he risks it all. He risks his reputation, his family, his accolades, his wealth to go and identify with this Jesus now and ask the Roman authority, Pilate, if he could go take down Jesus' body from the cross. This is significant because it sets up the greatest miracle that has ever happened and that will ever happen. Because Jesus' body was probably just going to hang there or be thrown in a mass grave. And Joseph of Arimathea says, I don't care about the embarrassment. I don't care about the persecution. Would you entrust me with Jesus' body? And it says he goes by, he gets it with another guy named Nicodemus, another religious leader, who is so afraid of the perception of society that he comes to Jesus at night. And it's his conversation in John chapter 3 where Jesus says, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you could not perish but have everlasting life when you trust him and believe in him. And they take Jesus' body and they go through the whole burial ceremony. 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe 
You ever put on like perfume or cologne? Uh, not like, cologne. No, no, I have not put on perfume. Uh, but you ever put on like, perf- like 75 pounds of that is a lot. And so they take time to perform this beautiful ritual sacrifice or, or the ceremony over the body of Jesus with myrrh and aloe and wrap him very carefully. It's actually, there's a paint, a very famous painting called The Entombment of Jesus. I, do we have that? There it is right there. Now, the, the, in this depiction here is Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus' body off the cross and moving him to the tomb for this burial ceremony. Now, it says that the ceremony that they conducted, they were professionals, they were religious leaders, they knew all about it, was one that you would do for a king. It was one that you would do for a lord. And so in the privacy and in the demonstration of this generosity, they say, this is our king, this is our lord, this truly was the son of God. But if you go back to the story, what else does it say? It says that Joseph of Arimathea placed Jesus in his new tomb. To be, born in a, to, be, to be buried in a tomb at that time, only wealthy people got that. And Joseph was a man of esteem, a man of wealth, and he said, you know what? This is the son of God. And it would be an honor to have him rest in my tomb. It would be an honor to give him this. And in his generosity, he laid down his wealth and laid down his resources and his finances and made a way for Jesus' body to be buried in the tomb. Now, I don't know if he knew this. Maybe he was confident in it or maybe he wasn't. But in three days, we know the story that our King Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. Generosity paved the way for this to happen. Someone saying, God, what I have is yours. Generosity paved the way for the resurrection of Jesus to be displayed to all the earth as we celebrate it today. And I love the fact that this person is mentioned in not one gospel, but all, all four gospels. The disciples knew this was important. When all the disciples, the guy who had followed Jesus publicly for years, when Jesus dies, they're all out, they're all out hiding in their homes afraid. It was the guy that that saw the demonstration of generosity of Jesus sacrificing his life that said, I cannot do this in private anymore. There has to be an overflow because what I'm seeing the Son of God do for me is incredible. I don't deserve it. And so what can I do to elevate his name? What can I do to show someone else that this truly is the King of kings and Lord of lords? Whatever I can give, whatever I can offer, whatever I can do is worth it because this Son of God gave his life for me, took on the punishment that I deserved, so this is how much he loved us. I can never deserve that, but I'm going to do whatever I can to live generous and be a blessing to others and give back of what God has so generously given me. Come on, if you're thankful for what Jesus did on the cross, give me a solid amen. Here are three things we can learn really quick, and then we'll begin to close our message with the challenge that I have for you. The first thing is that we can apply these truths to our life because we see it in Joseph's life. That when you witness the cross, when you see what Jesus did on the cross, it has the power to overcome fear and failure. For years, Joseph of Arimathea lived in fear. And then when Jesus died, failure could have taken over because of that shame he could have felt, that guilt that he could have felt of, I never once said I believed him. I never once let people know that this is who he was. But when you see what Jesus is willing to do, how far God was willing to go to bring you back into his family, in a moment it can overcome fear and failure. Maybe you're afraid of trusting God with the first 10%. Maybe you're afraid of trusting God in your finances. Well, I want you to know, when you look at the cross, everything bows down to that. And the cross can completely destroy that fear and that failure. 
Maybe you're afraid of where you're at right now. You feel like you are walking in some failures. I want you to know that that is not what God sees. God sees his son. God sees his daughter who he loves and has birthed inside of you potential to live that full life, but also to overflow and make a difference in the lives of others with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Don't let the enemy rob you of the beautiful, full, overflowing life God has for you because of fear and failure. Number two, trusting God and what we know about him costs something. We see that in Joseph's life. He trusted God to step out and say, all this accolades, all this esteem means nothing if I continue to deny that this is the Son of God. And so I'm just going to trust him and what I know about him. What did Joseph know about Jesus? That he healed the sick and raised the dead. That he provided for people. That he talked about the accessible love of God. The forgiveness and freedom that was there. And then he lived it out by stretching his arms open wide saying, this is how much God loves the world. Trusting God and what we know about him costs something. Following Jesus, there is a cost. Every single disciple besides Judas who betrayed him, every single disciple was either exiled or lost their life because of following Jesus. And we are following in their steps. This is not a doom and gloom message, but this is, man, what we're holding on to is powerful. And it's worth it in the mountains and it's worth it in the valleys. And when we trust God and live open-handed, man, does it unlock a lot of freedom in our life. Because our salvation, it might cost, I don't want to say it might, it will cost us something, but the cost is always worth it. You know what I don't think about? Shepherd, our son, he had surgery when he was a month old. It was a really scary time for us. It was a routine surgery, but still, as a parent, having someone tell you, hey, your one month old is going to have surgery, it's kind of scary. You know what I don't care about? How much it costs to get that surgery done. I mean, of course it's going to cost me something. This is my son. I'm trying to take care of him. I just care. I just, I'm just so happy that he's healed. I'm so happy that he's okay. See, following Jesus is going to cost something, but when I see the out, when I see the overflow, when I see the outcome, I don't care. Someone's healed. Someone's restored. A miracle has happened. Let's do it some more. It's, it's like when I, I, we've talked about the church we're building in Africa. We already built one. We're building another one. When Pastor Wayne Deary, the guy who runs that organization, said, when you build this church, it's going to cost you a lot, but it's gonna, you're going to get addicted to it. And I was like, okay. And when I saw that video of Dedication Sunday for this church we built out in the bush of Africa, I was like, when can we do another one? Yeah, it costs us something, but it's worth it because some of those people are stepping in a building for the very first time, and that building is a church because of the cost that we as local city church were willing to step into. Why are we doing it? Not to say look at us, but because we trust God and know that he is the God who loves us and restores us and redeems us, and Jesus is with us today, and we believe in the hope that has a name, and that name is Jesus. Come on, give me some thanks today. If you believe that, we'll give God some thanks and praise. The last one is this. Love Jesus even when you're defeated and disappointed. Now I can unpack this one, but what I love is that we have beautiful testimonies here in our church of people who have trusted Jesus with everything that they have. And in just a second, I'm, we're going to hear a testimony from an amazing family from our church, but here's what I'm leaning to today. Is I would encourage us all to pray about this, and this is what we're going to finish in the next few minutes, is that we do this twice a year, and what it is, it's called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. In Malachi 3.10, as I told you before, it says, God says, test me in this and see what I do. It's the only place in Scripture where God says that. And I would encourage you, not out of pressure, please hear me, this is not a pressure, do this, do this, so God will love you more. But there is purpose in it. And I would encourage you to pray today, and especially as we're about to hear this testimony, to pray, God, would you have me take this challenge? Now, again, the tithe is the first 
But maybe God would speak to you, hey, start somewhere because I can do a lot, I can, I can do a lot more with something than I can do with nothing. But you can scan that QR code. We have all the resources available for you. And if you take this challenge for 90 days and test God, you'll see God move in a new way in your life. But, maybe, maybe, but if you don't see it, if you get to the end of 90 days and you say that was a waste, we give everything that you've given financially back to you in a hassle-free guarantee. We just give it right back to you. So you honestly, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain in it. And why would I be so serious and intent about this? Because I believe in the power of worship. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of church. And I believe in the power of the tithe to let go and let God and to truly be free in my life. How do I know God is involved in my everyday life? Because God is involved in my everyday financial situation. Because God is involved in the way I trust him. So I want to I hear from a, a, a family in our church for a few minutes. I'm going to invite Russell and Leslie Johnson out to the stage. You guys give them a round of applause. Yeah, come on out. Come on out. Let's see, get you guys some microphone. Uh, Arjun's going to get you guys some microphones so you can actually talk. Um, but Russell and Leslie are an awesome family. Uh, they've been coming to our church for a while now. Russell was one of the first guys I met when I moved to the city of Tampa. And uh, man, just challenged me in so many different ways. Actually, I always, I always share this story uh, because when we moved to, when Adrian and I moved here to plant the church, we had to raise some money. And I sat down with Russell at a Starbucks right over here. And he was like, well, give me, give me your pitch. And I gave it to him. And he was like, that's horrible. We got to work on that. <laughs> and so we did, and here we are. Um, but me and Russell, Leslie, thank you guys so much. Why don't you take you know, just a minute each and just give us a quick synopsis of your life, your story, how you got here, all that stuff. Ladies first, maybe, or Russell can go first. My, my wife is very introverted, so this is not her thing at all. Um, we actually met and have been married now for 27 years. Yes. And, um, yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun story. Her friend actually put an ad in the reminder, and I responded to it. And, um, <laughs> and she was a single mom with three kids, and um, and so we have been through every up and down of our life. But it's um, it's been a joy now to be a part of a startup church where yeah. we are kind of the grandparents of the church, which is <laughs> very weird. But I'm thankful to be here. Yes. Do you need to add anything, or you don't have to? No. <laughs> well, I know, Russell, we've talked about just what you guys have been through in, in your family story and your situation, and I know that you have a story of how really just saying, you know what, God, we're going to trust you in this whole tithing command. We're going to, even when it doesn't make any sense at all, we're going to trust you. So tell us about that testimony. Tell us that story. Tell us how that unlocked and the freedom that it led to. Well, um, when we first got married, I actually grew up upper middle class. I grew up in Hamden, Massachusetts in a very suburban town where all of us got cars at the age of 16 years old. So I didn't struggle with anything. My wife, on the other hand, grew up in the projects and um, grew up poor. And, and, um, and so there was a real, just a challenge between the two of us because when we first got married, she wanted to tithe, and she was very generous and said, we have to give God his first. But I was the one that's saying our refrigerator is empty, and this just doesn't make sense. And why are we giving money away to a church when we should be able to feed our family? Because mm -hmm. at the time, we were, we were very poor. I and mean, we were living in the university area, family of five, living on $25,000 a year. And it just didn't make any sense to me at the time to give any money away when we only had one car and a bicycle, and that was our means of transportation. And so tell us kind of where that step happened. Like, tell, tell us how that conversation went about, and then, you know, we made the decision, and then tell us where the, where the providing really started to happen, or just the blessing or the miracle really began to happen. 
Well, we made the decision, and I was the hard-headed one. She had to <laughs> literally um, drag me into it. But um, immediately after we started tithing, we just started seeing little things happen. Hmm. It wasn't the big things right away, but it was the little yes. things. Like um, suddenly, you know, we would just get a check that for somebody that said, hey, I want to buy some food for you. And, it, and we didn't expect that at all because out of nowhere, you know, suddenly blessings just started coming in. And, um, and I think where we really took our faith to the ultimate test was we had spent $60 one weekend to buy our son a bike. And this is shortly after we got married. And we went to the pawn store and we bought a bike. And $60 to most people is nothing. But to us, it was a huge deal because yeah. we didn't have a lot. Well, two weeks later, the bike was stolen right off the front porch. Mm. And I did the most sensible thing ever. I actually rode around the neighborhood and looked for the bike. And <laughs> one Sunday morning, um, while we were going to church, I saw a guy riding the exact same bike that my son had. Mm. So I took my car and ran him into a ditch, and I got out and started yelling and screaming at him and saying some words I shouldn't have said <laughs> as my son is crying in the back seat. And he looked at the back of my car and said, is this how you Christians act? Mm. Whew. What a convicting time that was. That morning, our pastor talked about Matthew 19, 21, where a rich man asked Jesus, what must I do to get in heaven? He mm. said, take up your cross and follow me. And we really started asking the question, are we really willing to do that? Yeah. And so um, I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to quit my night job. And at the time, I was making $75 an hour doing domestic violence counseling in the 90s. And start a bicycle ministry where we would get nothing. And my wife just said, if God is leading you, then I will support you in this. Mm. Going back to poverty to do a ministry, and God provided everything yeah. during that time. And now you guys might, well, Leslie, don't you want to share anything? No, no. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. But now, I mean, you guys are one of the most generous families I know when it comes to just your giving, tithing, but also the way you guys open your house for people. So tell us now, so all the fear leading up to that. It doesn't make any sense. We're in, why would we do this? But now you're on the other side of it, and on the other side of it for a while. It's like this is an actual a practice, a principle that you live your life now and base your family around. Tell us about what are things like now, and how do you, what do you get to see now, and what's evident in your life? So culturally, it was never taught to me to be generous outside of maybe give something to the church, but not a lot. My parents were not big, let's be generous outside of that. And my wife and I now, we're trying to give more money away than we ever have, and it feels great. Yeah. It feels just absolutely amazing to be able to support other nonprofits as well as our church and be extra generous to our church first. Yeah. And then the abundance we give away as well. And, and I am so thankful that we're in a place that our minds are together. And it's, it's strengthened our marriage, people. Yeah. Believe me, when you're together on what you should give to God, everything else, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, and everything else from there continues just to be blessed as a result. So That's great. Come on. That's really good. Yeah. So leave us with... Give you, give you guys both the chance. Let's do one more chance. But I could just just leave us with one last. If I could, if I could leave leave you with one thing about the practice of generosity and, and living like Jesus and the the practice of the first and the best when it comes to the tithe. What would you just either challenge us with or just celebrate in ter in terms of your testimony? One word, Leslie. Come on, <laughs> Come on Leslie. 
You can put. You can speak in your mic. In your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you, but no one else can. <laughs> just start. Just start. Wow, that's great. That's what I just should, should have said. That just start, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Go ahead, Russell. Yeah. Run hard and trust. Yeah. Because God will meet you there. Yes, that's so good. Come on, guys. Thank you, Russell and Leslie, so much. That was awesome. Oh, so good. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you guys can, I'll take those. Yeah, thank you. Um, and what's amazing is um, I get to see what Russell does with his life, too. He's generous with his life, with the way he gives back through Urban Young Life and mentors the next generation of kids. So what I want to do today is just give you a few last things about this tithe challenge and why we do this. And I wanted you to hear from someone in the seats, because the, the beauty and power of local city is not from the platform, it's from the people in the seats. And that's what I want you to know. And so here's the, I want to give you nine quick things, because I could have probably done more, but I want to give them to you really quickly. These are the nine quick things about what your tithe does as you pray and consider this 90-day tithe challenge. Number one is that your tithe, just like it says in Malachi 3, provides for God's house. And worship team, you can come out here too, because we're going to finish here. Your, your tithe provides for God's house. What does it say? Bring the tithe into the storehouse. There is one storehouse, and that is God's house, the church, so that there is more than enough to provide for those who are in need, those who are in need spiritually and those who need help in their marriage or relationally or in their soul or whatever it may be. If they, they can find freedom, bring the whole tithe, the full 10% into the storehouse so, not so we can have, so there is more than enough for others. That's the, the command that we have to see. And again, the tithe goes to God's house. We give the charities. We, give, we, we, we do the whole compassion, kids, and all that stuff because we love it. But the first and the best goes to God's house. Because number two, it tells God that I trust him. You want to have that foundation of trust in your life like Russell was talking about and that the freedom that you can have in it is to trust him with the first and the best. Tells God every day that I trust him. Third thing is, this is a good one, reminds me that I'm not my source. How many of you guys ever had your cell phone die on you like in a big time of need? Like you ever been like, oh no, right? Like when we have the hurricanes, we gotta make sure all the power banks are charged. Well, guess what? If we plug our life into any other source except for God, we will find ourselves on empty or zero really quick. But I'm not my source, so guess what? I plug my charger into God and his finances, his blessing, his economy, and guess what? I can walk in freedom and in trust even when it gets crazy, because I'm not my source, God is. I didn't create this whole thing, God did. Number four is that it creates margin in my life for God to fill. Whether you're here in person or watching online, maybe you feel like you're at a plateau with the Lord right now. And you feel like he just, he, he can't get anything in. There's nothing new happening. Well, the tithe allows us to empty ourselves a little bit so God can pour some of his filling presence into who we are. Sometimes one of the best things we can do is just let go and, again, live open-handed and allow God to fill the margin. And that's just not only in our treasure, but in our time and our talent, too. That's why Sunday's the first day of the week. It's why we encourage you to get connected to a serve opportunity, whether it's serve day or a team on Sunday, because there's margin there where God can fill you. Number five, connects my money to the kingdom. What does that mean? It means that God cares about you, and he cares about what stresses you out, so he cares about your financial situation. He wants to help you. But then it connects my money to God's kingdom. And number six builds on that, that it gives my job eternal significance. How many of you guys ever had a job you didn't like? I'm not going to ask if you currently have a job you don't like, but, yeah, but maybe you do. 
One of the best things I ever read came from a guy by the name of Bob Goff who wrote in a book called Love Does. He said, I realized, one of the best things I realized in my life was that my job was just my fundraiser for the dream. I may not have my dream job, but currently my job can fundraise my dream. Here's the thing. When you realize that the thing that you're earning is going back to God's kingdom and is having significance in eternity, man, it totally changes your perspective on everything. It totally changes your perspective on waking up and going to the nine to five. And you realize, you know what? I may hate this job, but I don't hate what I get to do because of it. I don't hate what I get to be a part of because it connects me to the kingdom things that God is doing. When we celebrate all the Thanksgiving meals, we celebrate all the salvations, all the people baptized, people who give in and invest in God's house get to celebrate that personally because they had a, they had a hand in it. And the last few are this. It transforms my money into a seed. Seeds grow. And that's why we live open-handedly and live generous because we are providing for those who are coming behind us. Think about the trees that we see that were planted by people that we get to live in the shade of those trees or eat from the fruit of those trees. That's what your tithe is. It's a seed for someone coming after you. It's a seed for someone who was once where you were at and needed to know that there is a God who loves them and they can experience that through the seed of your generosity. Number eight, breaks greed off my heart. It's very hard to be greedy when you're living generous. It's very hard to say mine, mine, mine when the first thing you do is say, God, here is yours first and the best. And the last thing, it's let everything else know that God is first. And let me just pastor you. If you find yourself constantly dealing with stress or anxiety or depression or fear or isolation and loneliness, and you haven't stepped in to trusting God with your generosity, it's because those things think they're first in your life. Those things think they have a voice in your life. But when you look in the face of fear and anxiety and depression, you say, you know what? You have some, you've got some presence in my life, but you are not first. And you will bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords of my life, just like I do. Because Jesus not only conquered the grave, but he conquered fear and stress and depression and anxiety and all that. When I give God my first, I'm saying before everything else, God, you are Lord and I am not. Jesus, you are the King of kings and everything must bow to your name. You're wanting that freedom, unlock it for your generosity. You're wanting that encouragement and strength. See how your faith can overflow into the lives of others. Come on, if you're thankful for what God has done in your life, clap your hands, stand to your feet, and let's get ready to close today because we are going to believe that God's got the best for us. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.